here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Jasper Chalopa, a favourite of ours on the overnight crowd. He's a journalist with the Inner Sanctum, always very generous with his time and expertise. I'm stoked to welcome him to the program once again tonight. G'day, Jasper. Hey, it's been too long, mate. I missed you last week, unfortunately. And um, congratulations on the new role. I know uh, the, the overnight crowd uh, family will be missing you a lot after this week. Um, but congratulations, mate. Thank you, mate. Really uh, appreciate the kind words. Yeah, we've uh, sort of got a bit of a chat that's a stay of execution after uh, we, we missed our uh, opportunity last week. So it's uh, yeah, great to have a second bite at the cherry and get you onto the show because, uh, yeah, I've got a heap of AFL stuff to fire at you, Jasper. But up first, the Winter Olympics, gripping the nation. Have you seen any sports across the two weeks so far that you might be taking up after the Winter Olympics? <laughs> Uh, I absolutely like, so coming into these games, I can't say I'd, I'd watch the Winter Olympics too much, um, but I, I I'm in love with the curling right now <laughs> and uh, watching watching our Aussies go through the first week in the group stage and those first couple uh, matches in particular, the one against um, Team USA, uh, where you know we couldn't quite get across the line, but I've learned so much about the curling and I'm a big lawn bowl fan myself. You know, yeah, me too. Therefore, lawn bowls is one of my one of my favourite things to do in an afternoon with a couple of beverages. And <laughs> curling looks as much fun and I, I absolutely need to get out there and, and actually learn the game and, and play it one or two times because it does it looks spectacular. I don't know if you caught it caught it heater, but um, they're they're having a lot of fun out there and I love how they're mic'd up as well, so you hear yeah. everything going on. I love that about the sport. Yeah, so much ta- uh, tactical uh, sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, gamemanship going into what seems to be a, you know, just knock one out of the way, but the angles that they can get to jag them into each other, it's just, yeah, it's another level of talent. Yeah, and also, you know, these, these are my two favourites. The skeleton and the luge <laughs> is unbelievable what they do, um, especially, you know, the skeleton going down head first. I don't need, I, I, I'm not too sure how the hell you get into a sport like that to begin with. I'm not sure when they start them out. If this is like a, you know, from eight years old, you're just, you're going to do the skeleton from now on. Like, I'm not sure how that works, but um, it, it is absolutely gripping stuff. Yeah. Skydiving and that sort of a thing just doesn't get the heart rate going anymore. I'm just going to go down a big <laughs> ice tube or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying the work from Beijing. Uh, the Aussies, unfortunately, the last couple of days, not able to uh, match the, uh, you know, a great haul across the way, but I think it's been a uh, successful uh, visit for Australia at the Winter Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've broken a few records already and we did that very early on. Um, Jakara as well was, was you know my favourite run. The moguls look like they would absolutely ruin your knees after a couple of runs. Um, so yeah, that's also some some incredible TV. But I thought the Australians have been fantastic, and you know for for a country that only has a couple decent mountains on it, um, yeah, we we punch well and truly above our weight. Hundred percent, mate. Uh, let's get into some AFL news. Uh, it's this time of year where we see the financial results of the previous year released. Uh, we've seen a $43 million loss across another COVID-affected year, following on from the $23 million loss last year. Hopefully, there's brighter times ahead for, uh, well, you know, colloquially, Australia's biggest league. If they're hurting, everyone's hurting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we saw it, we've seen it with the music scene. We've seen it with the sports scene as well with um, COVID, you know, over the last couple of years. But, um, I think the good news out of this is that, you know, we're getting the players paid now. We're back up to those levels similar to what we saw in 2018 and 2019. I think it was a, something like a seven, uh, 37% increase on total player payments from those 2020 COVID cuts. 
Um, I think the average salary is probably back up around that 370k mark, which is great news. Um, but you know, once we get bums in seats, once you know 100% capacity is allowed at stadiums, which hopefully will be round one every single uh, state in the country, mm. then I think we're going to be okay. I think the AFL will get through this period all right. I think they've done really well um, so far to actually navigate it. The concern can be uh, with a, a, a um, competition losing money that it's uh, yeah the players that do end up getting cut. And as you said, they're starting to uh, get the uh, the pay rises back up to uh, parity of where it was before COVID times. And we found out there's nine uh, $1 million men in the AFL apparently. So Martin, Franklin, McGovern, Fife, Grundy, Kelly, Cameron, Dangerfield and Cripps. And perhaps there's two more to join this year in Petraka and also Lynch. These things always seem to draw a bit more criticism than anything. Um, do you think there should be less or more in your opinion? of $1 million plus players? Well, I think it's, um, it is kind of tall poppy syndrome to criticise the amount of money these guys are making. I don't think you, anyone can deny that, you know, the nine you've listed off plus the two extras, Tom Lynch and Christian Petrarca, they're all extremely deserving you know, because they're, you know, the best players in our game, basically. Um, it's a fine line uh, between mm. keeping your stars um, and, and, you know, remunerating what, what they're worth, but then also, you know, maintaining a healthy playing list with, with your money spread out evenly to, you know, make sure you have a best 22 or best 30 um, that can, can play AFL football and, and compete. I think that, you know, it's done well right now and there, there's, a, there's a possibility that someone could be as good as, you know, $1.5 million and, that, and they'll get paid accordingly, I think, um, right now. They're getting paid what they're worth. In the NBA, we see max contracts because you're not allowed to pay a player um, above that threshold. We don't really see that in the AFL. You know, you can pay guys accordingly what you think they're worth. Um, so you know, I think the clubs are, are doing it correctly and these guys are worthy of their salaries. Some uh, other news around the place with uh, the confirmation of captains uh, at a couple of clubs uh, over the past past couple of weeks. Uh, we've seen the Tigers confirm uh, who will be leading them from the front this year. Some saying a scooch left field, backing in Dylan Grimes and Toby Nankervis to take over from Trent Cotchin, but Richmond, uh, they've made a name for nailing these things of late. Yeah, absolutely. You don't second guess what they've been doing yeah. um, over the last you know, six, seven years. Uh, I, I will say it is out of left field, though. I was watching the Super Bowl yesterday when, when this news came through and asked a couple of my mates who were with me um, who they thought they were, gave them a few guesses. It took 14 guesses Really? For them to nail both of them. Yep. I think, you know, they rattled off guys like very deserving guys like Prestier and Rewald and Edwards, uh, Lambert, Short, Cochin, even um, Jack Graham, I think, and, and Nick Lawson were probably the favourites for it. Maybe even Noah Bolter, I thought, um, could have been a smoky as well. I think these guys are, you know, completely deserving. Gillen Grimes has been, you know, one of the best lockdown defenders of the 21st century through, you know, three premierships. Toby Nankervis is their enforcer through the middle of the ground. He is vital for what they do. Um, and he's going to be a great tandem with Ivan Soldo um, coming back from that ACL this year. I think they're very deserving co-captains, obviously. Um, but it's an interesting point, I think, in co-captains in general. Are you a fan of the co-captain system, Peter, or do you think it should be a, a sole captain? I don't feel like I have a strong feeling either way. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever been in a setup that had co-captains. So apart from just viewing it, I don't know if I have a lot of uh, experience to really make an opinion of. So... Yeah, and I don't think I've ever barracked for a club that's had co-captains either. I don't, I don't know if the Dockers have. So, yeah, no, no real strong feelings either way. 
Yeah, it's also hard to see because, you know, we're, we're, we're on the outside looking in. We don't know what's going on in the four walls. I thought um, the, the Tigers, you know, choosing co-captain system was a good idea, but I thought it could have been a younger guy like Jack mm. Graham or Noah Bolter, as well as an older guy to, you know, help see them through the next couple of years. So Dylan Grimes would have been a good choice in that department, Nick Boston as well. Um, you know, I think co-captain for, for the Tigers going forward for the next year or two is a, is a really good idea. It's hard to replace Trent Cotchin and the impact he's had, I guess, as a captain, isn't it? So you might need just two guys uh, to maybe replace the personality. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a fairly polarising figure on and off the field, Koch. Um, and, yeah, you can't deny that he, he's got the results and he's a three-time <laughs> premiership captain, which is, you know, not so many players can say in the history of the league. Um, but I do think, you know, it was time for him to, to move on. And I think a guy like Toby Nankervis in particular was a, a really inspired choice. Hmm. I think, you know, we saw with even, you know, big boy uh, McAvoy, uh, for the Hawks, he was a great captain this year, even if you know the on-field results weren't um, what the Hawks were looking for. I think Toby Dankovic can do a very similar job as, as the enforcer for that team. Dane Zorko, um, the Brisbane Lions have a massive year coming up. They've got a couple of players returning from major injuries, but they're going to maybe miss Dane for a, a couple of rounds with our ankle surgery uh, listed for him across this week. Uh, so they've got pre-season matches in doubt, and they're hoping to get him back for round one. Yeah, so this is a minor procedure, and you know, when you're, when you're 32, 33 years old, I don't think any of these kind of procedures are that minor when you're having surgery. Mm. So, you know, at that age, you probably expect some of this stuff and he's been so durable that, um, you know, it's not, it's not a, an issue that it's going to be a long-term uh, problem for him. But it's, he is so important and he has been so good for so long for them um, that, you know, it is, it's, it's a bit worrisome because that midfield, they haven't blooded too many others in there. We see Lockie Neal, Jared Lyons, um, and then, you know, mostly it's just Danny Zorko and those, those three because they're so good and they work so well together. I guess this is probably an opportunity for a guy like Zach Bailey, who I think, you know, could be one of the best players in the comp mm. after a couple of seasons. And um, even Cam Rainer coming back off that ACL to really, you know, make a midfield role their own and, and take advantage of this because he was, you know, he was kind of rumoured to be going off half back. I'm not sure if I believe that from Zorko. You know, maybe I'll believe <laughs> it when I see it. But um, I think, you know, he is so good in the midfield still that it is going to be a big loss for the Lions, even if he doesn't miss too much time to the start of the season. To Sydney and Callum Mills, the newly appointed Swans co-captain. Uh, he's struggling with an Achilles injury that's been hanging around for a little bit. Uh, the coach, John Longmire, not willing to put a timeline on it, but I did find his uh, comments interesting that with an Achilles injury, you do have to keep on using it to get it back up and running. So there's going to be you know, some teething pains, I guess, to uh, get him back on field. Yeah, I found that really interesting as well, Heater. I enjoyed how open and honest mm. um, the horse was in this. Uh, presser. We know that you know the Achilles is it's it's really thicker when you've got an injury related to it. Um, Mills is a guy who's coming into his prime. He's only 24. I think he could have been a Brownlow Smoky this year. Um, second season in the midfield. That you know it, it's he's trending upwards completely. Um, and he's going to be one of the best mids in the game for a long time. But he's been dealing with this for over six months now. You know, this, this is an injury that saw him miss you know a few games in the back end of the season. That final as well. Just, um, you know, he obviously didn't look 100% uh, in the last, you know, six or seven rounds as well. So I think that this could be a really bad issue that, you know, kind of plagues Mills throughout the entire season right now. And if you're, if he's saying that, you know, you have to keep moving and, and working with it, then there is a very fine line between overdoing it and, and setting yourself back and actually you know, moving forward with this 
injury and progressing and, and letting it heal as well. Mm. So uh, fingers crossed for Cal Mills, but you know, this is you know one of the worst stories to come out of the preseason so far injury-wise. Yeah, fingers and toes crossed for Callum and uh, his recovery. To the Eagles, uh, they've got some fresh injury concerns as well. Oscar Allen and Jamie Cripps, they have a foot injury and pectoral injury, uh, respectively. Uh, both vital players uh, to what's coming up this season, given uh, the man that I'll be asking a question about next in Jack Darling's uh, absence at the moment from the Eagles. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the Crips one, firstly, those tech injuries, um, some of the you know, some of the videos you see of them, um, they're absolutely gruesome and they often leave like some really big bruises and, and bleeding as well. So hopefully Crips um, can come back from that at some point this season. But it, I think it's a pretty serious one. Uh, so Oscar Allen, these, you know, as a young guy developing, you see stress-related stuff a fair bit. We saw it with the Dons. Harrison Jones had a foot. Zach Reed had his back issues um, last season. But... For you know, this is just a, a an issue that you know you need to take a long term approach to. Oscar Allen is going to be an absolute gun for you know a decade to come for the Eagles. He should be you know their their key forward of the future after Darling and mm. Kennedy. Um, but you can't take any risks right now. So even if it's not a foot fracture, I'm not too sure what they're calling it right now. I think there was you know just some some signs that was related after scans, but. Um, you just can't take a, you can't get him back too soon. You can't rush this. So I'm not sure we're going to see Oscar Allen for the first probably month or two of the season, unfortunately. Which uh, does leave the Eagles forward line a bit bare uh, on talent with Jack Darling's request for a vaccine exemption rejected by the AFL. The deadline for the second mandate is coming this Friday, uh, running out of options to be ready for round one, Jack. Yeah, he was, he was pretty quick to make a couple of excuses as well that when that story broke about a month ago. Um, made, you know, uh, references doctor, maybe some exemption kind of stuff going on. Um, none of that's really come to fruition. Uh, not too sure where he's at in his, you know, decision to get vaxxed or not. Maybe he was waiting for Novavax. If he was, then I think it's already available in WA. Uh, I just don't think there's too many ways for Darling to run right now. We saw it with Novavax. Um, for the Australian Open, different uh, situation, but similar in terms of if you're not vaccinated and you don't have a medical exemption, what are you actually trying to do right now? You know, you've got to bite the bullet at some point, uh, rule yourself out for the season. Once he does, um, potentially the Eagles could, you know, sign another uh, guy over the preseason to actually help them compete this year because this is a, the second oldest list in the um, in the competition, if I'm not mistaken, behind the Cats, and they're just they need to win now because, you know, they've got too many veterans who are still, you know, their best players. I think they just need to be in win now mode and mm. Darling needs to make a decision about it ASAP. Sam Walsh, uh, he's picked up the dreaded syndesmosis, uh, fresh off a uh, new contract with the Blues, uh, allaying any fears of uh, free agency sort of hold up. So he'll be sidelined for early rounds as well at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, this is the worst news that Carlton fans could have ever asked for. Um, Sam Walsh is so far and away their best player uh, and you know this is a team with a Coleman medalist and, and Jacob Wiedering as well so you know that's saying something about a 21 year old in the midfield um, it, it's, I'm, I'm glad it's only the syndesmosis and that you know there's a timetable on his return because that's that's super important um, with the syndesmosis we've seen a couple ones I think uh, we saw you know a Dons player go down in round two um, in, in Sammy Draper, and that took you know ten weeks for him to get back. Um, hopefully, Walsh will be quicker than that, um, and his body recovers well. But you know, it is horrible news. In the first four weeks of the season, um, this could you know make or break the Blues' season as well. They've got a couple good matchups to come, um, 
But if they don't win them, and it's going to be tough without Walsh, then you know there's going to be real pressure on Michael Voss already to start. His, um, his tenure. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, the worst possible news for fans of certain clubs, Ben King, an ACL injury fresh in our minds. Uh, but Gold Coast have a two-year offer on the table, which has apparently been there for a little bit. The murmurs are starting to uh, get louder that the Sharks are circling. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here, Jasper? Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's a bit worrying for the Suns and it's absolutely heartbreaking for him individually. Yeah. I know, you know his twin Max did his ACL in his draft here. Um, but, you know, these two guys are so special that, you know, Max King still got drafted about pick three by the Saints, and the Saints will be circling, you're right. Um, the Suns have been so unlucky with these injuries, and it's going to be even tougher for them to keep a guy like Ben King while he goes through rehab. He's not, you know, a part of the core team. He's not out there on game days. Um, it's going to be it's going to be easier for him to become more disconnected with the club as his rehab goes on. Um, hopefully he approaches it all in the right way and he, he fully buys into the to the club. And if I'm the Suns, you know, I'm offering him uh, that two-year deal completely, you know, without question, even though he has done this ACL injury because he's a, he is a, you know, one of the best young key forwards in the league and he's um, going to be a very, very special player over the next decade for them. And they just cannot afford to lose his top-end talent, um, especially when they're in, you know, in the build of him when they just don't have that many key forwards to replace him right now. Um, huge usage for the Suns. Um, and this could be an, a little opportunity for King to decide he wants out, which could be you know, a huge, huge ramification for the league. They sounded, or they were they feeling so confident, you know, not too long ago. Do, do you feel like that's changed very quickly? Well, we saw it um, even with with the you know, different different league, different sport. But even with the KD Warriors, when he did his Achilles, it just it just got became this disconnect between the franchise and himself, and it made it easier for him to leave. Um, in a situation like Ben King right now, I think it does make it easier for him to leave the club, and uh, I, I hope not. And mm. um, uh, you know, because the Suns need to be competitive um, right now for, for the league's benefit, but. Uh, I think it. I think it really does help him um, form a bit of a disconnect between himself and the club over the next year, and then decide to leave in free agency. The Alistair Clarkson rumours this week. Uh, apparently, he's been talking to upcoming free agents. That's the yarn coming from Tom Rockliffe, who said it and sort of <laughs> backed off by saying that's the mail he's heard. Um, as far as Alistair goes, he was always going to come back. How's this, Rocky? Breaking the news, <laughs> fresh off his retirement. I would absolutely love to see Rocky be one of those beat reporters or something in the AFL. I think that'd be awesome, a great little well for the pig. Um, but yeah, Clarko's going to be coaching again at some point. I'm absolutely sure of this in the AFL. And, you know, hate to relate it to the Suns, but I hope he's been in Ben King's ear because he's a free agent. And I reckon Clarko could be headed to the Suns if Stewie Jew um, and the Suns don't have a very good year. I think Clarko will be coaching from 2023 onwards. Um, I think the Suns are the best option right now. Or maybe he could potentially wait if um, a Tasmanian team gets announced, because I know he's super on board with that going ahead. So I think him as the inaugural coach for a Tassie side would be pretty awesome as well. That would be awesome. And uh, speaking of awesome, uh, let's move over to the NBA. And, uh, well, a man that we uh, have very strong feelings about, Jasper, Josh Giddy. He's uh, gone and just <laughs> dropped a triple-double at Madison Square Garden. Like, come on, man, slow down for us here. We're already in love, but guided his team to the overtime win. And uh, that's his highest points total as well, isn't it? 28? Yeah, yeah, broke his uh, record for most points scored, 28, had the triple-double. Now the first, second, and third youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. Um, very, very easy by him. I think the three guys 
um, kind of at that level when they were this young were, you know, Luka Doncic, Ben Simmons, Josh Giddy, they, they're putting up these kinds of stats like Giddy is right now. And they're all international guys as well, which is pretty awesome to Australians, obviously. Um, but, you know, Giddy was so commanding in this, in this performance. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to watch it all today. Uh, he was so far the best player on the court, it wasn't even funny. Um, <laughs> second youngest player in the league. Keep that in mind behind um, Josh Primo of the Spurs. But well, the way he reads, you know, just the, the defense off the pick and roll at the top of the key, uses both his hands um, just to whip passes to the corners into pockets of space. He's taking advantage of everything wrong the D kind of does, which, you know, admittedly for the Knicks is, is quite a bit <laughs> these days. Um, he's playing, he's doing it without his two best players on the court as well, in Shea Gildas Alexander and Lou Dort. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for his rookie of the year campaign right now because that was probably the single most impressive rookie performance of the entire um, season and you know to see him, to see what he's doing with the ball in his hands right now is it's truly spectacular heater. I'm just going to start being loud like homicide about it and just start saying rookie of the year you know on every post because yeah like you say this is the the most impressive performance from a rookie this year that that should determine who is the rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. A single game. Whatever stats you put up, that wins you rookie of the year, and Josh Giddy's just done it right there, Hedda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another Australian uh, in the league, uh, Ben Simmons. He's uh, oh, he's broken out, basically, of the uh, Philadelphia jail. He's on his way to Brooklyn. Well, he's in Brooklyn, <laughs> traded for James Harden. Uh, what was your reaction to the deal getting done? He's free. I'm absolutely shocked that it actually happened, but uh, I read you know, an article from Woj and Ramona Shelburne of, of ESPN over there in the States um, and some of the some of the stories, some of the facts they kind of came out with about the the last couple of weeks of Harden with the Nets. Um, you know, on a, on a West Coast road trip, he was out till 5 a.m. just at his gentleman's club as he enjoys partaking in. Um, and you know, this kind of stuff just won't cut it on a on a team who's trying to break an 11 game losing streak. Who currently, you know, has one part-time player that KD out injured. He needs to be leading this side, and he just wasn't. His head wasn't in it. Didn't love Kyrie. I believe the locker room presence. Um, the locker room's much better with his presence gone. Uh, that's what Bruce Brown said in his presser today, anyway. Um, but yeah, this this just this trade for Simmons is um, the best possible situation he could have ever envisioned, and he's done well to. <laughs> I guess he's done well in the end to actually, you know, get this result for him because now he's on a championship contender. He's got the best, you know, collection of shooters around him since probably mm. the KD Warriors with Steph and Clay. Um, he's got KD Kyrie, Patty Mills, Joe Harris coming back from injury, Seth Curry. They're all just absolutely elite shooters. Um, and I think Simmons, we can, you know, hopefully his mental health and, and stuff is, is on the right trajectory. He looks pretty happy. Um, today at some shoot arounds for the Nets, and he rocked up to the to the game, which was awesome to see him back in public life. Um, so hopefully he's back after the All Star break. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, ask as well. Your reaction to seeing him in the building, uh, on the bench, getting ready for game time, and I was like, uh, yeah. So coming up after the All Star break, you'd uh, maybe expect him to roll out. Yeah, hopefully first game after the All Star break, I'd say. So um, in about a week and a half, I think we can probably expect to see Simmons back uh, wearing a Nets jersey for the first time. Mm. Um, I, th- I think he looks, you know, he looks really happy. He looks really healthy as well. He is well conditioned. He's not like the Zion photos we've seen uh, over the past couple of months of his condition while he's been off the court. Um, I think Simmons looks really good, uh, and I think he's going to come back a really, you know, a really good player. This is a guy who was second in DPOY last year as a guard. Um, you don't talk, you know, there's not too many of those guys in the league at six foot ten. So 
uh, I think we're going to remember very quickly how good he actually is. Um, yeah. Hopefully, he's been working on his shot. Even <laughs> if he hasn't, he's still a top you know, 20 guy in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, Zion's on that uh, 50-cent diet, but uh, more on that later, Jasper. Uh, <laughs> Luka Doncic and DeMar DeRozan, they were players of the week in the NBA this week. Uh, Luka with a 50-piece in his rear view not too long ago. Uh, Chris Dapazingas has been traded away, so this is Luka's team again, right? Well, it, it always was, but uh, that, that Pazingas trade was completely bizarre. <laughs> Davis Bertans is the worst defender in the league, and Spencer Dinwiddie's injured. So I'm not too sure what the Mavericks are actually trying to do. I guess that, you know, it must be the fact that you know Porzingis' body is failing him right now. He's currently injured, and they just have no faith in him actually getting on the park and and being you know a consistent performer for sixty five plus games in a season. Um, Luca deserves a better supporting cast right now. He's a top five guy in the league. Um, he had that fifty point uh, game against the Clippers, which was awesome to watch. Um, but he needs more help because the Mavericks aren't a playoff contender with their current roster. Demar, uh, he's on a historic run at the moment with the Bulls. Uh, could be the hottest ticket to watch uh, currently in the league, uh, in some people's opinions. Yeah, he sure is. And he's making it look so easy. He's always <laughs> done this, though. You know, for the Raptors, they didn't quite get it done in the playoffs against LeBron. With the Spurs, they probably didn't have a great roster around him once LaMarcus got a bit older. Um, and now, with the Chicago Bulls, with the, with the offensive firepower around him, he is just standing out. And he's a legit MVP candidate. His mid-range is the best in the game. Absolutely no question about that. Um, he's, a, he's a really high you know, percentage guy around the rim. He's shooting more threes these days as well, which is, which is good to see, um, keeping defenders honest. What, what he's able to do with the ball in hand, he makes everything look so easy, Peter. And there's not too many guys like him in the league with his old-school game combined with um, how effective he is in the, in the modern-day league. I think Joel Embiid as a post-up player is, is similar, um, but there aren't too many other guys who you know, don't rely on their three-point shot to be this good. What about a uh, Hornets update uh, for the team that you follow in the NBA, mate? I did see that Lamelo was an all-star substitute, so he's uh, getting his way into uh, the big game coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, youngest all-star since, Peter, LeBron James. Ooh, How good is that? Another one. That's pretty good company if you're keeping it with Bron. Um, and, you know, unfortunately the Hornets have been struggling lately. They, they had a nice win uh, the other day, but it's, it hasn't looked fantastic. But the big trade of the trade deadline, um, the biggest one of them all, no doubt, not the Sin and Tide one at all, it was Montrez Harrell right. firing him for Ish Smith. Um, and I love Trez so much. He's so much fun to watch. He's you know, the biggest hype guy and the most energy off the bench in the entire league, maybe not including Paddy Mills once he goes back to the bench. <laughs> um, but he's exactly what we needed just as a, as a presence down low on both sides of the ball. He's going to be awesome for us. So I think we could still make a little bit of noise. It's probably going to have to be done through the play-in. Um, but hopefully we can make a playoff series for the first time in about five or six years. What about Montrezl? Um, is he a victim of like the business side of the league? Like a great player, he's got a ring, um, and he seems to be bouncing from team to team a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. His contract is, is fairly healthy. He's also a free agent at the end of the season. Um, so it's a situation where teams with cap space would have loved him, but not many teams have cap space right now. They're all, there's a lot of buyers, but not many teams with the cap space. So they're probably looking at um, the buyout market instead to, to pick up a guy like him. Um, if you look at you, know, you can look at Paul Millsap, you know, going to to Philly as a as a similar kind of a player, um, just for a much you know uh, for a veteran minimum instead of that that twelve mil that he's on. 
Um, so I think for the Hornets, we just desperately needed to do something at center. But, you know, Montrez is a guy who deserves to have a place to call home. And I think he'll find you know, a fairly long-term deal with someone um, in this off-season. Hopefully he'll be off. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, let's finish off with some NFL, mate. The Super Bowl 56 on Monday morning, uh, Australian time. The Rams get the win. It felt like the Bengals were going to reign supreme for a bit there, but what a great game. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we saw that last play for Joe Burrow. There was absolute you know, mayhem with him trying to throw the ball. He was getting sacked and it was an incompletion. It was a bit of a um, throwback to the draft, I remember. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this, Heater, but you know they took Jamal Chase um, over Panay Sewell, the, the best offensive tackle um, in the in the draft, and obviously you don't regret that at all because Jamal Chase looks like a generational talent. Yeah. But that offensive line just let Burrow down, um, oh. and and we saw it, we've seen it, you know, against the Titans in the divisional round. He got sacked nine times. Somehow they still won. And unfortunately, they couldn't stop Aaron Donald on the last play of the game, um, which is you know a bit disappointing because Jalen Ramsey, I'm not sure if you saw this either, Jalen Ramsey tripped over and Jamal Chase was wide open um, to, to be throwing the ball. So if Joe Burrow had an extra second or two, the Bengals win that Super Bowl. It, it was you know incredible play from Aaron Donald to make. Yeah, and uh, loves to uh, seeing Sean McVay on the sidelines. Uh, you know the uh, footage that's emerged later on, saying you know, you know he needs to make a play, and then sure enough, he goes through, makes the play, and uh, yeah, the Rams take out the Super Bowl. Uh, any thoughts, Jasper, on the halftime show? Uh, not quite, in my opinion, the best one, but definitely a uh, podium finisher. Yeah, I thought it was awesome, and I haven't watched too many of these live. Unfortunately, the ones that get talked about is the great, you know, mm. um, Prince. I think comes to yep, mind as you know, Purple Rain in the Rain. I think was was pretty special. Um, but holy hell, I enjoyed <laughs> this so much, and I love Snoop. I love Dre. I love Eminem. I, Mary J. Blige, um, and and then the the guest uh, of Fifty Cent um, throwing it back to in the club days. Oh. Um, I thought it was you know truly terrific, and to see the shape that 50 Cent is in right now was pretty funny as well. I thought, you know, he's, he's one of those, he's still big and he's still large and he's um, ripped to the extent that, a you know, an older <laughs> kind of guy can be ripped. So, yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of meat on those bones now, but he's still he's still looking good, Heater. He's still looking good. Yep, I'm uh, certainly not challenging him to a duel at any point in the future, <laughs> Fifty Cent. But uh, Jasper, really appreciate the time across all of our chats uh, on the overnight crowd and again tonight, mate. So thanks again. Uh, we'll follow your work at the Inner Sanctum. Appreciate it, Heater. Enjoy your last week uh, with the overnight crowd um, family. You've been absolutely amazing over the last few months, mate. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.